Good morning, everyone, every single one, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, August 2nd, 2020. The share ID numbers for Friday, July 31 are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 15,081, that's 15081. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 15,082, that's 15082. This morning, A Vision for You presents, We Grew in Understanding and Effectiveness. Overeaters Anonymous's 12 Steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to compulsively overeat and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. The purpose of steps one through nine is deflation of the ego at depth. By implementing steps one through nine, we have a transformation of thought and attitude a change in the way we think, a change in the way we feel, a change in the way we behave. Ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of our lives, are cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions, ideas, and attitudes begin to dominate us. The steps continue to catalyze our inner growth, our new attitudes, and new spirit. The sunlight of the spirit deep down inside us is allowed to shine up and through us. Now we continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness. We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. Joining us today is Kara L., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Kara has been transformed through the 12 steps and God, and she's here to share her experience, strength, and hope with all of us on the line today. And it's with great appreciation and always a pleasure to welcome Kara. Good morning, Kara. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. Good morning, my OA family. Oh, Leah, I got to take a moment because that just brought me to tears. It just so described how I feel today. My gratitude um, for everything that uh, God has done for me that I could not have done for myself. Good morning. My name is Kara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Beach, California. Um, And it is truly an honor and a privilege to be here this morning uh, to speak with you. Uh, I'm here in the quiet of my home. Um, My family's still asleep. It's 5.33 here on the west coast of California. Uh, The sun is not up yet, which is just fine. Um, I, of course, have been up for hours because I woke up and uh, needed some time to be with God this morning. Uh, to meditate, to write, uh, to ask to be of service this morning. So um, 
And I'd like to say that I uh, did my hair and makeup and got all dressed for you, but I know you can't see me. So the truth is I'm sitting on the couch with my big fat cat, my cup of tea in my pajamas. Um, just a little honesty there. Um, so I, a uh, little bit about myself. Um, I'm, uh, I also have my big book sitting right here. Um, I love to read from it in the morning. If you looked at the definition of a 1980s latchkey child, uh, what would they be like an adult? That's me. Um, I remember being in a psychology class and they were reading out the description and I was like, ooh, that's me. Um, I, typical, you know, divorced parents left to raise ourselves. I have an older sister and a younger brother whom I love dearly and never felt as good as. Um, my sister is four years older, tall, beautiful, athletic, smart. First grandchild was adored. My son, oh, my son, my, my brother, also tall, beautiful, blonde, athletic. I was none of those things. <laughs> and uh, spent my childhood always trying to be what they were and never being myself. Um, uh, I was never really thin. I was always on the side, you know, as a child, um, on the side of just a little chubby. I was never very coordinated. Um, I had a learning disability. I still do. And it it kept me from learning to read. Um, I was always put in a slow group. Uh, my penmanship is poor, so I always felt sloppy. Um, never felt very smart uh, moving through life. Uh, I spent my most of my childhood just trying to get to be what everybody wanted to be. Uh, trying to feel enough. Uh, I find today uh, one of the things that the steps has revealed to me is that my biggest fear is that I am not going to be enough. That not enough for you, not enough for God, not enough for anybody. Today I know that's not true. But when I when I have to inventory, that's usually what comes up is that I'm just not enough. Um, you know, I was I was pretty lucky. I had parents that loved me, even though they weren't together. Um, I made it through childhood. I always say that uh, uh, my sister, brother, and I, you know, we made it through the war together, and we're all adults, and we're all pseudo-functioning, um, and we're close today, which is a gift of this program. Um, I'm close with my parents today, also a gift of this program. I... Um, just knew moving through life that I had to control everything and make everything okay for everyone else to survive. I just knew that I needed to, everybody had to be happy with me, you know, in order to survive. Those were the facts I moved into life with. Um, I set really high standards for myself and then beat myself up when I couldn't achieve them. One of those standards was always to be thin, to look like my sister, to look like those that were popular. Um, when I was in high school is really when it started. I figured out that I could not eat and I could lose weight. And so I would, oh, my standard diet of Melba toast and raw vegetables, people, I lived on those. And, and I lost weight. And then I got accolades for that, you know. Um, I got attention 
I started acting out with uh, boys and whatnot, and then I would put the weight on. And then I wouldn't eat, and the weight would come off, and then I would put the weight on. And that's that's just how it went for, for many years. Um, I was blessed uh, to meet my husband very young. I met him when I was 19. <clears throat> we're still married. Um, uh, that's also a gift of God. <laughs> um, we're still married today. My, um, you know, I, I, in college, I started with the pain ways, right? And I'm very black and white. So I would go and I wouldn't cheat for six months. I would lose 70 pounds. Everyone would love me. And then it would start to come back on. And then it became the series of the pain ways, always going on and then coming off. Um, I really, I always identify with the part in um, doctor's opinion on page XXIX when it says, after they've succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. I cannot tell you how many times in my life, every time I read that um, with a sponsee or just read it, I, I identify. I say, this This is speaking to me, to my heart. Because I would wake up every morning and I would eat my diet breakfast and then I would continue to eat through the whole entire day. And then I would be remorseful in the evening and I would make resolutions and I would wake up in the morning and eat my diet breakfast yet again. And then I would be demoralized and it would happen over and over again. I've often heard of, you know, reminiscent of Groundhog Day, right? The movie, same thing every day. I can remember um, speaking to my husband in all desperation saying, I just can't diet anymore. The pain ways didn't work anymore. I just, I, I couldn't stop. And I had always been able to control my weight, you know, never getting too out of control, I felt like. And I and 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 that's when my first beginning of my first spiritual awakening came was that utter defeat. I, I can't do this anymore. Now I wish I could say that I dove into OA and everything was great. No, I had two children. I became a screaming shrew at home, um, demanding on my husband. Nothing was ever good enough. Um, I was never happy enough. He was doing everything wrong. The children were draining. Life was draining. Life became even more unmanageable. And then I, and then I kicked my husband out of the house, the love of my life, who has always supported me. And I, I was, I, you know, we, I finally went to get some outside help, and that's where I heard about OA. And I walked through the doors at OA. I was 34 years old, 17 years ago. You can do the math. Um, and I worked through the doors, and I have never left. And all the 17 years, I have always, always kept my butt in a chair. I can't tell you. I, I don't know why I figured out right away that the world was better within the rooms than out of the rooms. No matter if I was still eating, no matter if if I didn't have my spirits awakening yet, that I knew deep down 
there was a solution. And I knew that it was in the rooms. Um, I will tell you, I heard about OA when I was younger. I was like 19 or 20. And an acquaintance had mentioned it to me. I think she saw me struggling. And I never did anything with it. But that seed was planted in my head. And so when it was mentioned years later, I knew that that was the solution. I knew I needed to get there. I'm incredibly blessed today because I live in a region um, where OA was born. Um, I started attending meetings and there were long timers at my meetings. I'll say every meeting I've ever attended has had at least somebody with 15, 20, 30, and even 40 years of recovery. And so I saw, I saw that there was recovery. I saw that there was recovery in these rooms. Um, I, I got a sponsor all the 17 years ago, and she actually introduced the big book to me. Um, we did it different than I do it today, um, but that's the first time I read Doctor's Opinion. That's the first time I, I read that phrase and I identified with it. And I really was, I really, if it's alcoholics, now I know a lot of alcoholics people because it is the family disease that keeps on giving. Um, it is rampant throughout my, my family, alcohol, food, gambling, um, Al-Anon runs, it, it's our family gift, right? We buried my grandfather with a Crown Royal bag. I will tell you that I didn't know Crown Royal purple bags were, were anything different because everything I, all my toys were stored in them because we had so many around. Um, so it, it is the family disease. And so for the first time, I read Doctor's Opinion with a sponsor. And one of the other phrases that just changed my life is on page XXVIII at the bottom there. You know, they cannot tell after a time the difference, the difference, they, they cannot differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems their only normal one. Oh my goodness. What do you mean I don't, I, I don't see the world as it is. I see it through my alcoholic life. Life-changing for me, that phrase was life-changing. It was the first time I thought, Everything that I think is normal might not be normal. It was like the little, little bright light that entered my life at that moment to have that thought that, what do you mean? This chaos I live in is not normal. I'm viewing it through a different lens. I, I, I can't tell you, still to this day, when I read, read that paragraph, I still get that feeling. And even today, you know, doing some inventory work, moving into that feeling of, oh, I'm viewing this with my alcoholic lens, with my compulsive overeating lens. I'm not seeing the gifts that my higher power is giving me. Yeah, it today, it, it just, it speaks to me so much today, the words in, in the in the big book. So, I entered the rooms. I found a sponsor within six weeks. Uh, we started working the steps. Um, I am so grateful to that sponsor. Uh, she's adorable. I, we were reading from the big book. We also, she also had me do some readings from 
some other AA literature, AA comes of age, and the AA 12 and 12. And I got exposed to our history, our history of um, AA. The first time I heard about the Oxford groups, the first time I heard about the Friends, Dr. Silkworth, and um, Ty, I always pronounce his name wrong, Tybo, Tybe? Uh, anyways, you know, that and read readings on the resurgence of the ego, and I was, I, I was just mystified. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was reading and studying. And, you know, yeah, my food did start to clean up. And I talked to her every day. And she was my sponsor for 12 years until she moved. And I was um, so blessed with with everything that she had given, she gave me. The introduction to these steps, the introduction to the big book, um, the introduction to other literature um, that speaks so poignantly in my life today. Um, if you haven't had a chance to read some of the other literature, I, I encourage you. Um, there's a wealth. Um, I also really like um, Lois's Bill's wife's book. Uh, if you want to read an awesome history, I love I love seeing it from her her point of view. Um, so here I was working the steps, doing great. Um, and then, you know, I don't think I really, I think that all of those years, over the years, I became more and more ready for a spiritual awakening, but I didn't have one yet. I would sit in the rooms and I would listen to the old timers and I would listen to them, you know, those that had years and they, and you know, you know, the ones that have had a spiritual awakening, because there's something about their consonants. There's something about their eyes. There's something about the way they speak and they move in the world. And I, and I, I would identify them in my room. And I would say, I, I want that. I want my eyes to shine like their eyes are shining. I, I, I want that. And I just, I didn't know how to get it, truthfully. You know, I was working the steps. I was, I was following the food plan. I had an absence of sorts, you know, um, but I didn't have that. I didn't have the spiritual awakening. And I can remember looking, uh, listening to them. And, and you know what gave me hope? And this is why I always say, you know, like, go to the, your face-to-face -face meetings. Because there's two amazing things there. They're the newcomers who remind you of what it was like. And they're the old-timers there who, who have what you want and who offer hope, who you see have a solution. So I, I saw that and I heard them. I heard them saying, oh, it took me eight years. Oh, it wasn't, it was 22 years. Oh, it was 15 years. And that could have been discouraging, but it was hope. It was, I knew if I kept coming, that God would do for me what I could not do for myself. Now I spent a lot of years trying to do for myself, people. You know, having the perfect food plan, uh, being the perfect sponsor, uh, going to ton of meetings, having a lot of service. I'm not saying any of that didn't help me because I think that that all helped me to get me into a position where I could have a spiritual awakening, where I could let go of self and lean into my higher powers abundance today. So here I am, I'm in the rooms, I'm doing, and I'm slowly, I had lost weight, right? And I'm slowly, slowly creeping up in the weight and it wasn't an overnight thing because, you know, I was, 
I was following a food plan and had an abstinence of sorts. I was being of service. And then slowly my life got a little more manageable again. And then it got a lot more unmanageable again. And my sponsor had moved and she encouraged me to find another one in one of my face-to-face meetings. And don't you know, like a good OA, I picked the person in the room that had a lot of years and I could see a lot of recovery. Then we started talking and she was kick butt people. Oh, and, and I identified with her. We ate the same. We thought the same. I had the identity and I thought, this is it. I found the perfect sponsor. This is going to bring me to my spiritual awakening. I'm going to get what I see and I don't, it's it, like what I've been grasping at. And this was 15 years into, into the program, into the rooms. And I was, I was up, you know, I was up in size. I wasn't huge, but I was definitely, I was wearing an extra large size 14. And I knew I didn't want to be there. Um, I was making excuses with my abstinence, like I didn't eat sugar, but I would have honey. Um, I was, you know, there's all those telltale cracks that are forming and, and as things are starting to slide down again, those things were happening. And so I, I said, I don't know what to do. And I would call her and I could tell, you know, every time I talked to her, I was that whining sort on the phone, just whining about how life was unmanageable, how so-and-so did this. And so emotional sobriety, there was none, right? And and to her credit, she did the best she could for me, you know? And she made suggestions when I asked, and she, but it, it just wasn't working. So I, out of desperation in the meeting, I said, I threw out, I need somebody to talk to you at night. And I got some phone numbers, and we started, and I started a text group. And one of um one of my long-term fellows who I adore, uh, we've been sending each other food, our food back and forth for years, uh, got in the group and then, and then asked me to let out of the group because it wasn't what she was looking for. And don't you know, I took that as a personal affront. Um, I was like, oh, and we were on the phone talking and I still remember that. Um, we were on the phone talking and I was, I was like, oh, I was hurt by that, blah, blah, blah. And, and she said something that changed. She goes, well, I find, I reworked my steps. And I find that this work, you know, this, she, we were talking about something, this worked for me. And my exact words to her were, I can't believe I'm saying this, but would you take me through the steps again? And that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. Um, my sponsor today, I call her my light. Um, I know that my higher power center into into my world, into my life, just at the right time when I was ready. And we started working the steps in the big book. And she, <laughs> I, I love this part too because, of course, I started putting down all sorts of rules and boundaries. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm I've been in 15 years, and I can eat this, and I can still eat that. And she said to me well, maybe you're not ready for this. You know, when you are, let me know. And, oh, I was like, no, no, don't you tell me I'm not ready for something. Don't you know? Um, and then, then that was the last fight I had. That was the last bit of self 
that kept me from my my spiritual awakening. Um, we started working these steps, um, and we started reading together. I had never I'd read parts of the big book, but I had never read it like we read together. I started listening to speakers from A Vision for You. I started listening to the meetings, uh, Vision for You meetings. Um, I had heard some of the speakers. I, I was shocked and surprised when I started listening to some of the speakers because I had heard them at the birthday party. Like I mentioned, I live in I live near Los Angeles. I'm a half an hour away from the birthday party. I went to the birthday party when I was six months into program and heard some of our speakers that I hear today on the line. And I still remember things that they said. And those started coming back to me. Um, much like, you know, Bill says the, the experience in the Winchester Cathedral. My experience at the OA birthday party, the speakers I heard there that I hear today on our lines, they came back to me. And I, I, I couldn't believe the recovery. Now, I will tell you, um, when I first started working with, with um, my light, um, my guide through this, this book, I, I still have my old sponsor, the one with several years in kick-ass recovery. And I remember talking to her, okay, I'm going to, I'm just checking in with you. I'm, I, to be honest, I want to keep you apprised of what's going on. I'm reworking the steps. Um, I'm listening to this group online. Uh, I, <laughs> I remember laughing. I remember going, you know, they say they're recovered and I don't like that word. I don't know. They might, they might be a bunch of loons. I don't know, but I'm, I'm kind of led to go this way, but I'm going to, I'm going to check in with you just to make sure that everything's okay. Uh, God, I laugh at that today because, <laughs> um, I started working and I'll tell you the honesty with my food came. It came. I knew that I couldn't be, be eating a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I knew what my alcoholic foods were. It came and I never had to swear off them. They just went away. Once I admitted what they were, I just stopped eating them. I continued to work diligently and quickly and to read, and my sponsor was always available to read with me. And we read these steps, and I listened to more vision, and I listened to more speakers. I read, I, you know, our fellows have put together a great step study. I read, I read, I read from that, and and listened to other speakers. I, it just started to happen for me. Self fell away and God entered my heart and my soul. I worked a new fourth step from the big book and I'll tell you, if it came to my mind, I put it down. In my light, that blessed guide that took me through, she sat for five hours with me in a park and listened to every single resentment, fear, uh, sexual inventory. She listened to, to it all. And I sat and I, at the very end, there was one secret, one secret I did not want to keep tell. And I know that's, that keep me from, from God, right? A secret that I don't want to tell. And I told, and I, and I looked at her and I told, and she laughed and she said, yeah, me too. And we laughed and, and it was such a gift. It was a gift that she gave me that I got to see how to be present for another I got to see what that meant in a life. 
And so I, I continued on, you know, right there, five was done, six, seven, just those two paragraphs of six, seven. And then, and then the men's came and I was eager to write that list. And I wrote that list and God will do for you because God did for me, because I will tell you that I would look at the list and a name would pop out to me and I would try to find that person. I found a person from high school I hadn't talked to in 32 years. Walked into a to a meeting, sat down, and it was as if time had never passed. I was able to give a heartfelt amends. And today, that person and I, you know, we get together. He and his wife, my husband and I, and we're friends. 32 years. All of those little things that were holding me down, keeping me from my higher power, were cleared up. Amends, amends making, making to my, my, my siblings, to my mother. Oh, sitting across from my mother, who I blamed for everything in my life, by the way, people. Being able to sit across from her and to apologize and to amend my behavior for over the years. And today, all of, the, all of that hatred and all of that blaming and all of that, it has changed to compassion. Now, I did not know that was coming, people. I can remember sitting in a meeting and listening to somebody talk about how that he was able to be at his mother's death, death as a loving and caring individual. And I did not know how that happened. And I went up and I asked him, a fellow, and he said, I said, how long did that take? And he said, 19 years. And I was like, oh, I've got time. God has gifted me. I, I can't tell you the relationships that I have now moving forward. And then, oh, 10, 11, and 12. What a gift they are in my life today. Because they let me live in this world. They let me move through the world and be of service. They let me stay in the abundance of God. They help me step away from my selfishness and self-seeking and just lay my my whole being into the abundance of God today. It's such a gift. It's such a gift. When Leah when Leah texted me, you know, would I be willing to speak? Um, I'll tell you my exact text back to her was, Wow, deep breath. Of course I would be happy to be of service because that's what I've learned in these rooms. Of course I would be happy to be of service. And then I text my light, my guide, and I said, honored and totally terrified. And then I text my soul sister, who I know is right now, my soul sister is sitting drinking her cup of tea in her kitchen, and that's who I'm speaking to right now. <laughs> that was my visual. And my other sponsees are here listening today. You know, and my fellows, who I adore, oh, I adore them. So Leah says, okay, we need a title. And I was like, what? Seven words or less. What? And, you know, I turned to my higher power and said, okay, God, what is, what is, what am I, what's my title? And I heard in my, you know, I, I was writing and I, I just saw, you know, um, I added the bit by bit, you know, um, we continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And that's, that's my life today. 
and continue to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And that looks like so many different things. And today I know it's not up to me. Um, I How I spend, let me tell you a little bit about my morning. So I get up and I got up this morning at, well, earlier, but I sat down and I actually got out of bed at 4.30 this morning because I knew I needed to do my morning routine before I got on the line today. That I needed to connect in with my higher power before I spoke today. So how my how my morning looks is I read on awakening and I do exactly what it says. You know, I today I, I look at it and it says, okay, so we think about the 24 hours ahead. And this is on page 86 in the big book. I say, okay, so I meditate. I set a timer and I meditate and I think about the 24 hours ahead. Um, I, we consider our plans for the day before we begin. We ask God to direct our thinking, especially that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonesty, and self-seeking. So I actually say that out loud. Um, I set the timer, I take a couple deep breaths, and then I say that out loud. I ask, I ask that. And then I start going through my day. And um, when I get to something I don't know how to do, or where I'm, you know, I, I say, you know, I ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a dissension, decision, and then I, and then I move on. And then once I get through my day, if my timer hasn't gone off, I just sit and I breathe. I have some meditative words I say on my in-breath and my out-breath, and I listen. And then the timer goes. And then I pick up my, my writing, and I write um, in my, my journal. And usually it's, it's a letter to God, or sometimes it's God speaking back to me. And then I... Um, when I write my gratitude list, um, there's something I learned from a fellow a long time ago. My gratitude list is uh, is everything. I don't I don't put a judgment on it. So um, when I read my gratitude list to to fellows, sometimes I have to say, uh, there's going to be things on there that we think aren't good, or you know I might judge as bad, but I just read that. I just read that to. Um, I just put it on the gratitude list because I know today that I see through my alcoholic norm and only my higher power can see all. I see this teeny tiny print pick, this little bit of the world, and God sees everything. The abundance of God is amazing. So I know today that I just put everything on that list and I'm just grateful for everything that's on that list. And then I, I think and I say, God, you know, is there anything you need me to write up in an inventory. I start the day with an inventory. And if something pops into my head that my brain is busy about, you're darn right. I sit down and I, if it's a resentment, who am I resentful at? Why am I resentful? And I've listened in these rooms. I keep it to 19 words or less. Or sometimes I tell my sponsees three bullet points, no more, you know, just give me the headlines. Um, I will tell you everything that I know today and I, um, that helped me move through my day and helped me sponsor, I've totally heard from other fellows on this line and in the rooms. And I pick it up and I use it. Um, and then, you know, I write out, I pray. Oh, gosh. Can I tell you those prayers? The prayer is it, you know, God, please, please help me show this person the same t uh, tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Help me avoid retaliation or argument that I will be done. Oh, I love, I love the sick man's prayer because, 
you know, so-and-so is a sick person and as I am, how may I be of service? It changes my, my view, those lines right there. God, keep me from getting angry. How may I be of service? Oh, thy will be done, right? And I, so I, I pray and then I write, I look for, okay, what is God? Help me, show me what, where am I being selfish? Usually it's you're not following along with my script. That's my favorite. My other favorite is image management. Um, I want uh, your approval. So I manage, you know, so that's usually the two that, that are my top two. And oh, something beautiful that happened to me in my writing from God. I heard, I wrote, am I not enough for my higher power? And I thought, oh, when I'm approval seeking, how selfish is that? Because my power, my high power gives me everything I'll ever need. It's the only approval I need today. And I didn't realize until I heard those words, am I not enough for my higher power? You know, dishonest. Usually dishonest is I'm expecting you to be who you're not, or I'm telling myself I won't be okay unless you do what I want. Those are usually my two top-down dishonest. Self-seeking. Oh, I'm usually manipulating uh, so I feel better. That's, that's right there. Um, I love to play the victim and things. Um, yeah, so the so fear, as I started this off with, my fear is usually I'm not enough. And so those, those are my key. And then I pray again. And, I, and I've kind of combined, uh, I've taken the fear prayer and uh, steps, you know, six and seven, seven where I'm the seven step prayer. And, and I say, you know, God, um, please remove my character defects and fears and direct my attention to whom you'd have me be. And then I just write what I hear back. And it's always loving, uplifting words. Um, my higher power adores me. I've heard in these rooms a visual from one of our speakers saying that as we turn to our higher power, our higher power is running towards us. And it's true. My higher power always answers me in the kindest, most loving words. Always shows me the path. Always reminds me of the abundance that's there for me when I step away from self. Always reminds me to lay my head and my whole soul into the abundance of God. And today, it's it's a gift of my life. So, seventeen years I've been I've been in OA. Um, a year and a half, I will say, I've had my spiritual recovery, and that I've had this blessing of of just a, a spiritual awakening. Um, seventeen years of growth, and today, I, I I didn't mention that I end my meditation with God, please give me freedom today from self. Please clear away any roadblocks that are in my way to being of service to you and my fellows. Some days I throw in, God, please make it easy for me to be of service. And I'm always answered. And I will tell you this, I continue to grow. I know today just because I'm recovered, it doesn't mean that I always have emotional sobriety. Um, just, you know, that I'm continuing to grow in effectiveness and understanding from my higher power. I know that I see things through an alcoholic lens, and it takes me that pause to connect with my higher power, to find my higher power's will, to see through my higher power's vision. Uh, things will happen in my life, and I'll immediately say, oh, this is bad. 
And then when I sit back, you know, I ask God to clear my road roadblocks, and things happen. Like that, like you know, like uh, somebody. I I will tell you, I will push and push. I was working with a sponsee who I had only I had given what I could give to them. Um, I heard a speaker early on in Vision who said, I don't know how long I'm in a sponsee's life for. It might be for one word, one week. It might be for 12 steps or years. Because that decision's not up to me. And I was working with a sponsee, and we had got to a point that I was no longer of service, but my pride said I could be. And my ego said I could be. So we pushed on. Even though I heard from a higher power in my writing that it was time to move on, we pushed on and we battled for a month and a half until I finally, I finally, my stubborn head finally really believed what my higher power was saying. And it was such a blessing for both of us because she had found somebody else already. And somebody else was able to give her what I I could not. And that's that's growth today for me. Um, I love... I love, you know, Bill's story. I love, I love the identity I find in that, the self knowledge that didn't avail me anything, the how he came, how he thought he was crazy. I identify all of those things. Um, one of the things I always try to impress on my my sponsors is like, you know, I don't. Well, this is another speaker I heard. Oh my gosh, there's so many. I, I'm only, you know, this, I could just talk forever, people. There's so many speakers on this line that I have learned so much from. And one of the things was, you know, I heard a speaker uh, about, you know, surrender versus compliance. And I was like, oh, am I, am I sponsoring? So my sponsors are compliant to me, you know, and I changed my sponsoring style so that they're, no, they lean on their higher power because I'm not their higher power. Right. I, I, I don't and I don't want to be and I can't be. And I, I, you know, I just want everybody to have what I have. And I want everybody to know that just because you're covered, it doesn't mean life is smooth. Right. I have to continue to grow. I have to continue to understand so I can be effective, so I can be of service to my higher power and my fellows. I have to continue to to watch for selfishness and self-seeking and dishonesty. You know, I have to be open. I have to take those moments to find my higher power and to find my higher higher power's will for me. And and life is good, people. I will tell you that today um, I'm in a right-sized body. You know, I used to wear an extra large. I wear a small now. I don't weigh myself, so I can't give you pounds. Food today, food is a non-issue. I have total food neutrality. I do have entire abstinence. I don't, if if I'm allergic to it, I don't sneak in any of the things that make look like it. I don't take abstinent foods and, and make them into non-abstinence foods today. Um, I live in a beautiful day, and I I grow every day, and I know there's so much growth moving forward forward and i look forward to i look forward to the growth that i get to have i look forward to the service that i give and with that i'll pass thank you thank you so much kara for your beautiful presentation inspiring story of transformation this morning greatly appreciate your generous heart and spirit kara's contact information will be given at the conclusion 
of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. Share ID for this presentation, 15,090. That's 15090. And we will now transition to a question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Kara by put, pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Sandy C. Sandy C. Natalie L. Natalie. Lorraine N. Michael T. Elaine G. Michael T. G. Carrie K. Tara C. I missed a couple there. I have Sandy C, Natalie O, Lorraine N, Michael T, Elaine G, Tara C. Who did I miss? Carrie K. Tara C. Tara C, yes, I have you. And Carrie? Carrie K, yes, thanks. Got it. It wasn't Kara C, Leah, it was Dara C for the second one. Thank you so much. Okay, excellent. And we'll get started with Sandy C. Everybody else, please mute. Thank you. Uh, hi, um, Sandy C., uh, Recovering in Fall River, Mass. And Kara, thank you so much. Uh, very calming, loving. I could really hear God speaking through you. That was profound. Um, my question is something you just said. It was like, whoa! Um, you said you don't turn your abstinent foods into, and I think you said allergic foods or non-abstinent foods. Could you talk a little bit more about that and give, maybe give examples of what you mean? Thank you. Um, thank you for the question. I don't want to get too much into food. I'll just say that I just know that if it looks like a non-abstinent food, even if it's with abstinent foods, um, my brain will pick up on that and and use it. Um, I just, you know, taking things that like, you know, blending something into that looks like, you know, non-abstinent food, that will set me off. So today, and, and truthfully, I don't want to either. I mean, I'm a really good cook. I can, I can manipulate food into anything I want it to look like most of the time. Um, but today, I don't need to. Today, I just love my, my, my food is simple and healthy and nourishing and delicious. And um, I don't find the need to have to make those items I don't eat anymore, but to try to copycat it. Um, I, 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 you know, I just, it's, it's, a, it's a gift from my higher power that, that you no, know, what's in front of me, I eat happily and joyfully, and I don't need to manhandle it into something that I think I want. I hope that was helpful. Thank you, Sandy C. Natalie O, please. Uh, Natalie L, actually. Um, this is Natalie L. Thank um, you. Reader from Colorado. You talked a little bit, Kara, about how at the end of your fear inventory, you do the fear prayer and you um, look at how God would have you be and you lean into that. And something that I struggle with is when I when I get to that column, I might have something come up like God would have me be someone who knows she is loved or 
God would have me be someone who is kind and patient towards others. But then I have a really hard time believing those things or acting in that way. And I'm wondering what you do personally to lean into whatever comes up on that column. Oh, great question. Thank you so much. Um, how do I lean? You know, it is, it is a scary, I, I think it's like that, that leaping off point, right? That leaving of self and just laying into trusting your higher power, right? And it's it's a it's a scary thing because you know my whole life I was told you're in you're in charge you have to work hard you have to you know it's all up to you whether you succeed, and that's kind of like my alcoholic life and um, I just go with it, you know my I actually also um, instead of what God have me be God would have me be I actually. I actually write from my higher power. So uh, maybe it's just because it's coming, you know, like I say, Kara, my dearest child, I'm always here for you, often comes up. Or, you know, Kara, my dearest child, you see a little and I see all. Trust in me, my beloved. You know, I it always starts off with Kara, my dearest. Uh, my higher player power speaks to me that way. It could also be, you know, Kara, the love of my life, you know, it, it, just in terms of endearment and directly from my higher power, I just write, write like that. And um, maybe that's what helps. It's not because I'm not trying to be what God may have me be. It's just God speaking, you know, in that voice to me um, that I can really lay into and really just take into my being. So I hope that was helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. Lorraine N. Good morning. Um, Leah, thank you so much for your service. And Kara, thank you so much for your, your share. I took a lot of notes. It, it was just beautiful. And, um, yeah, heartfelt, and I, I felt that. Um, I loved what you said about we don't know the true from the false. You know, when I first read that, and for years, I, I, I didn't know what that meant. I thought, of course I know right from wrong. I mean, what are they saying here? But they're not saying right and wrong. They're saying true from false. And, I, I, and how you viewed life through that alcoholic, compulsive, addictive lens. I mean, that really hit me today. Um, so I'll, I'll have to think about that a lot more. I, I have one question, and it's about... Um, uh, um, sponsoring um what <laughs> um i know you said you have complete neutrality with food but maybe you can remember back to when you didn't but um if that compulsion uh, suddenly ever hits like boy you know i'd like a pint of this or something and um what what do you do or what do you tell your sponsees uh, i mean you know, when that compulsion, that obsession hits. I hope oh, thank clear. you. Yeah, I got it. Thank you, Lorraine, my okay. dearest. Okay, Lorraine's kind my of a, a plant. Mm, she's my heart. Um, I, you know, that is, it is a struggle. And when I start working with a new, new person and, you know, first thing we do is kind of identify their alcoholic foods and, and we find a food plan that they can stick to. And then we dive in quick, right? Because, mm-hmm. As I've heard on this this line, you know, why would I leave somebody 
in that that mess because I have a sponsee right now who who called me and she says, I'm a mess. All of my emotions are all like all over me and blah. And I was like, that's exactly where you're supposed to be right now. <laughs> you know, let's let's work. Let's get to that fourth and fifth step. Let's inventory. Let's get, let's get moving. Let's clean up. Uh, let's clear our roadblocks to our higher power. You know, let's move quickly. And for me, blessedly, that compulsion hasn't hit in a year and a half. And I'm ever so thankful. Um, I know that that, you know, when I am tempted to take an extra bite, um, or I am tempted to fill up more, you know, on my abstinence foods even, sometimes I'll just do a really, um, I think, you know, people have heard me say, I do these little small moments of prayer and meditation throughout the day where I check in with my higher power and I ask for, you know, intuition, inspiring thought or decision. But I also, like with my food, if I'm getting that urge, I'll put my hand on the plate and say, you know, like, I want a little more of this. And I'll say, God, what do you think? And I go with the intuitive thought. And most of the time it's, oh, sweet baby girl, not right now. You know, and then I'll take my hand off and I'll trust in that. You know, um, I've... People have heard me. I do that with clothing. I do that with lipstick. You know, which one should I wear? And I just, I say, I go with what's intuitive. You know, I'll put something in one hand, something in the other, what other hand feels intuitive. And I call that practice prayer and meditation. I ask and then I stop and listen. Um, and I and I try to teach that to my, my sponsees too. Like, look, we have to talk. We have to be in contact with God all day long, right? And so when it does get to those moments where oh, we're just on edge and we can inventory it, but we can also just take that moment and say, God, what do you think? Please give me intuition here. Um, I hope that was helpful. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Beautiful, very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Lorraine. Michael T., star one to unmute. Michael, your turn to pose a question. Sorry about that. Um, um, this is Michael T. Compulsive Overeater. Um, uh, thank you so much, and thanks to everyone at A Vision for you. Um, I was wondering if you could share a little more on your journey to surrender and your journey to your spiritual awakening. You talked about it a little bit. If, if, I was hoping you could unpack that a little bit more. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, Michael. Uh, great question. Uh, can I just be honest here? I keep forgetting I'm answering the questions because I'm so used to listening to everybody. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that question's for me. Um, just a little honesty here, um, my humanness. Yeah, you know, it start. I think even though I had a huge spiritual awakening a year and a half ago, and I'll tell you, um, I worked the steps very, very, very quickly. Um, uh, I wanted, I started them in late fall and I wanted, I was so close to, to finishing them um, around New Year's. So my, my sponsor, I was on vacation and I called her from vacation. I said, can we please just finish up? Because I want to start January 1st being able to say I'm recovered. And so I did. January 1st um, is when I, I say my recovery date. That's why I'm that was a year and a half ago. And I think that there were small things throughout the years prior to 
uh, Michael, that that added up. You know, there was I started the meditation. Um, I started at one point. I was doing some chanting. Um, there would be a study or a speaker I would hear. Um, I think this is like when when you know we grow, right? So, and it definitely helps listening to these meetings. It definitely helps listening in my free time. I would listen to speakers, and I still do listen to speakers from the meetings. I go to the website, and I might just query, you know something and, and listen to that speaker or maybe I have a favorite speaker I like to listen to and I listen to that speaker and I would I think it seeps in like the little pieces um, little things like um, I would hear on the lines my favorite one of my favorite things that I use a lot is you know your willpower is like a battery and it's going to run out and you're going to have to plug it into something higher a higher power and so it'd be things like that that I would hear and and it's that it's that moving out of self and into your higher power it's that leap it's that trust that you will be taken care of right it's that and and to continue working for it. and how do we do that we can we expand our spiritual life so yeah i have a, a morning routine and an evening routine that i do not miss because i need those it's working with sponsees um Working with sponsees, because then I'm taken through these steps again. Every single time I work with a sponsee, I'm taken through the steps again. And and I, you know, I I guide what I know. I learn from them. We listen to speakers. We listen. We look at readings, uh, you know, writings about the steps and the big book together. I will tell you that God has taken me places I never thought I'd go. Um, this meeting has taken me all over the country and all over the world. Uh, my step 10 train, I didn't mention that. I'm on a step 10 train. It, it's taken me all over the world. I now have sponsees. I have sponsees in UK. I have sponsees in South Africa. I had to learn how to use WhatsApp so I could call internationally. I, that, if you'd asked me two years ago, would I be doing all that? No. And I just, I do what is given to me. I almost never have to look for a sponsee. God always sends me sponsees. One will finish, and don't you know, another one will show up. Um, it's incredible. Um, but I believe it. Being of service, working working with, with others, and continuing my 11th step, my 10, 11, and 12 daily, all the time, um, is what keeps me spiritually fit. But it's also what brought me to fitness. That last vestige in my last fourth step of just every little thing I could think of that I might be holding, letting it go, you know, being willing and ready. Um, and I want it for everything and everybody. I hope that was helpful. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for the question. Elaine G., your turn. Yeah, hi. I'm Elaine from New York, and uh, I can really relate to you, you know, everything you have shared for, for the last 45 minutes, and uh, really can relate. It really sounded a lot like uh, me. But anyway, uh, you mentioned about uh, the sick man's prayer. To me, it's, I think it's called the resentment prayer. I'm not sure. But I was wondering what page that was on in the big book. Oh, Elaine, great question, and uh, that's not one of the things I mark to have easy access to. 
I'm sure one of our other follow, fellows have it, it close at mind. I have it memorized now, so I don't read it out of the book. Um, I am sure it is. Does it go something like this? Does it go something like this? 67, Harlan. I think I heard Harlan's voice there. Yeah, 67. 67. Um, okay, thank you. 60, thank you for the help. <laughs> thank okay. you, Elaine. Thanks. Thank you, Elaine, for your question. Sarah C., your turn. Star one to unmute. Hi. Um, thank you so much for your talk and so grateful for your humility. Just really touching to me. Um, I love what you said about recovery is not emotional sobriety, uh, sobriety that if I'm recovered, I'm, that's not a guarantee, and that when we're recovered, life is not smooth. And um, I uh, was asked to tell how it was, what happened, and what it's like now. And, and I closed by saying, life's not easy, Street, uh, but I wouldn't go back. And the person who asked me to give the talk pulled me aside and attempted to shame me, saying, you can't say that. That's discouraging to people. And I was like, you know, I, all I can do is offer my experience, strength, and hope, and that's the reality for me. And I think it's a, it's a cheap shot to think that we can present that life is fabulous because we're abstinent or, or recovered. And so I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you work with your sponsees in relationship to their expectations of what life is going to be like for them and um, to keep them, you know, humble and open that this is a process. Uh, and I also just wanted to say that I smile um, when you talk about the sweetness of your relationship with your higher power, because I have a similar relationship with mine, and I'm eternally grateful for the unconditional love and support and guidance of my higher power. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah. Um, yeah, you know, I, for that, what really, really helped me um, was actually reading Step 12 in the AA 12 and 12. Um, and I, I just, there's so much in there about how, you know, life life is still challenging. And today we have a design for living, right? Um, I would hope that, you know, my actions and um, would would show, you know, more than my words can show, you know, like I still have challenges and I'm still joyous and I'm still loving and compassionate. Um, one of my favorite things, uh, the, the step 12 and the 12 and 12 talks about um, that there was in the, in the beginning of AA, there was a, some you know, a eminent psychologist that says it's on page 127, uh, you know, said, you know, they studied a bunch of alcoholics and they, uh, and they had the nerve to say that most alcoholics under investigation were still childish, emotionally sensitive and grandiose. And I loved that because then in a couple paragraphs down, you know, if, then they say, oh, yeah, we were all ticked off at that, right? And a couple of paragraphs down, in the years since, however, most of us have come to agree with those doctors, right? And the the 12 and 12 and the big book, it, it you know, I love those people. I love our founders, right? I love, I love what they have to say. And when I read that, I felt identity. I felt like, yeah, you know, I, I am not divine. I am a human being, right? And 
All I can do is lean into the divine and to do the best I can and search for guidance and direction for my higher power. And I will tell you the amount of serenity that gives and the amount of compassion that's in my heart from doing that. And it's the reason I have stepped 10, right? Because those old things are going to crop up. And when they do, I take care of them immediately. No, I tell my sponsees, look, start calling recovered people because you're going to want a, a group of people that you can reach out to that, that aren't me because I'm not always going to be here for you. And you're going to need to do step 10s. So start talking to those people today. Start gathering. Put them in your phone under, and just put step 10. Ask a recovered person their favorite part of the big book and then ask them if when you get to it, would they be willing to take a step 10? And then put their name and put step 10 in. So when you look up step 10 in your phone book, there's all those names that come up. You know, um, it's important. It's important that we, um, you know, we turn to our fellows and that we work together. Uh, thank you, Sarah, so much for the question. I hope that was helpful. Thank you, Sarah C. Carrie K., your turn. Star one to unmute. Thank you. Um, that was a beautiful share. Thank you so much. When you uh, spoke about having a sponsee that you had a hard time letting go of, and um, I would just be interested if you could share a little bit more about your experience with when that relationship um, from your from your end is time to release, um, from maybe like a standpoint of, you know, self-will versus God's will, and maybe elaborate that if, if you could, please. Sure. Um, <laughs> it was all my, my ego in there, right? We had been working beautifully together, and we got to a point that there was a chasm that, that I couldn't help her across. I was not her bridge. Um, I, was, I would pray every time before I took a call, um, and then we began to battle and, and, and early, like a month and a half prior to, to coming to inclusion that we, <laughs> I wasn't helping her. I heard, you know, like you have been of service. It's time, time to let go. She needs someone else. I totally ignored it by the way. And so I continued to battle with her for like, you know, and, and she struggled and I struggled and there were tears and, and we were really trying and I was praying my heart out. <laughs> God kept saying, let go. And then that last conversation we had together, we both realized I wasn't being a service, you know, and, and she knew it already too. She'd already sought out another sponsor. And I was so happy to hear that because I was like, and then, and then I hung up the phone from her and I thought, Oh my gosh, God, you could have saved me a month and a half and her a month and a half of heartache. And it was my ego that got in the way. You know, it was my, I, I, I can bring her through. No, she needed somebody else. And, and I went back to those words I heard from a special edition speaker saying, I never know how long I'm in a sponsee's life for. I do not know going into it if it's a word, if it's a minute, if it's an hour, if it's a week, if it's years. I don't know. But when I remain open and I ask for direction and intuitive thought, it usually works out. I hope that was helpful. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Carrie. Who else has a question this morning for Kara? Star one to unmute. 
I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. This will be our final invitation for questions. Becca R. Becca. Hi, I'm Peggy M. Peggy M. Hiya, Anne. Hiya. Anne. Anne Carol K. Carol K. Okay, very no. good. Did I miss someone there? Yeah, Jennifer C. Somebody C. I'm sorry. Jennifer. Jennifer. Thank you very much. Okay, excellent. Becca R. Your turn. Everyone else, please mute. Hey, it's Becca R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Kentucky. Thanks for your amazing share and um, all the people who are giving service today. I wanted to ask, I know for me what my private life looks like as far as prayer and meditation are concerned. Um, But one of the questions that was asked from my sponsor in the beginning was how I was practicing my faith outside of my home, um, or more specifically, she asked if I was agnostic, how, and I said, I'm not. And she's like, well, how do you let the world know you're not agnostic? And I was just looking for some concrete examples, if maybe you had one or two, of what that looks like um, outside of your home. Mm, great question. Thank you. Um, I was just thinking, so, you know, in the back... Well, again, here I go with page numbers I did not mark. Uh, spiritual experience in the back in the appendices. Uh, it talks about how we have a spiritual awakening, and sometimes it's slower, and sometimes um, others will see it before you realize it. Um, spiritual experience, 567. Whew, got it. Um, and here, in my experience, so I, I came from a family of very strong women, opinionated women, uh, sarcastic women. <laughs> and I, um, I carried that out to the fullest because you had to keep your head above water at a family gathering. You had to be quick. And I kind of carried that out into, you know, just the opposite of what you asked me into the world, right? I was quick-witted, sarcastic, demanding, bossy. And um, in these rooms, you know, as I began to grow in understanding effectiveness, um, people started just characterizing me as kind, with soft eyes, uh, loving. And I was like, I don't know who they're talking about. It was in the rooms, right? And then, um, and then my family started to see it, right? And my family started to see, you know, a change. And then people at work started to see a change. Um, one of the biggest thing my boss said to me, she goes, oh, I don't want to gossip with you, Kara, because you really try not to do that. I, I was, you're always, or you never say unkind words. Um, you're so compassionate, so I don't, I don't want to bring you down. And I was like, wow, because that was not who I was, right? Because I gossiped to feel better about myself. That's who I was. And 
So then it, it's the actions that I bring into my daily practice, right? It's the, when I'm at work and I, and I come up against something, that's stopping and saying, okay, God, please give me intuitive thought, you know, inspiration, decision here. How, how can I be a best service? Sometimes it's just keeping my mouth shut, right? You know, my, my, big, my other boss in a speech and thanking everybody for, you know, at the company, Describe me as a secret strength of the company. Wow. You know, um, those. So I think that's our actions we start bringing. When we bring a higher power into all of our actions, our compassion grows. Our usefulness to our fellows grows. And um, I think that's how I bring my faith out, right? Um, being that person that can listen. Being that person that can be quiet. Uh, being that person that they can see the other side of somebody and find the compassion, um, asking my higher power how to move in and through a situation. Um, I think those are how I bring my faith into the outside the walls of my house and outside the rooms. Thank you so much for the question, Becca. I hope it was helpful. Thank you, Becca. Peggy M., your turn. Good morning. Um, this is Peggy. I thank you, Kira, for your beautiful, lovely share today. I have a question about the 11 step. You said you faithfully do your 11 step as it is directed in the big book, but can you give us a little more detail about that? Thank you. Sure. Thank you for the question, Peggy. Um, I did, you know, I did detail my morning. I, I read on awakening. I follow the directions safely on awakening. Um, I do get up earlier than my household. Um, I just, just so you know, uh, especially now with us staying home, there are five adults, three young adults, and my husband and I in a three-bedroom, two-bath. So there's a lot of us moving around, and most of us work from home. So we're home all the time. Um, so I get up early. I get up before the, the 10 a.m. vision meeting, which is 7 a.m. for me. So I get up at 6, and the house is quiet. And I find that quiet time, and that's when I, med- I, I, I meditate. I run through my meditation like it's suggested in On Awakening, page 86. Um, and I go through my day. I ask God to, to um, clear my mind of dishonesty, self-seeking, and... Um, self and pity and then I go through my day with God and I stop and I say okay God I don't want to do here please give me the intuitive thought inspiration decision um, and I end and I ask God you know to clear the end of my meditations please clear any roadblocks in my way to being a service to you you know please give me freedom from self um, I write I usually write to God or sometimes I write a letter back from God. I do a gratitude list and I have a gratitude for everything in my life, not just what I perceive as good, but everything. Um, I ask God, do I need an inventory? Is there something from the night before that um, in my nightly inventory that you needed me to write out? And if it is, I write it out, uh, which I'll share with another fellow. Um, I, at night, I do my, uh, I answer this, the 10 questions in the book at night when we go to bed, and that's in the big book also, those 10 questions. Uh, and I know that they're on one of the pages here, very close, and I just don't, it's not coming to mind. But um, 
I answer the questions, you know, was I resentful? Was I selfish? Um, is there something I'm keeping to myself that I need to talk to somebody about? Um, I answer all those questions. Um, I list what I did. Uh, I put my food down for the day and then I send that off to my sponsor and all my sponsees. Um, my food, my, who I am is not a secret to anybody anymore. And so I send that off and that that's before I close my eyes at night. And I, and I say, God, um, you know, when I wake up in the morning, give me an intuitive thought of something, anything that I need to work on from what I just wrote, please. I always try to remember to say that. So then when I ask in the morning and I need to inventory, uh, that thought's already there. You know, um, I ask at night before I go to bed and then I ask when I get up in the morning. Um, I do a step 10 train, uh, meaning that at least once a day I talk to another fellow. Um, sometimes it's more, you know, depending on how the day is going, but at least once a day, there's going to be a check-in of some sort. Um, so uh, I hope that was helpful, Peggy. Thank you for the question. Thank you, Peggy. Hiya M, your turn to pose a question. Star one to unmute, Haya M. Yeah, this is Haya. Haya M. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for your share. I think I heard you spoke that you were relapsing, and once you found a sponsor, you just started the steps and you became abstinent. I wanted to know that um, is it because of the steps that you became really struck abstinent, or you did still have? craving and you didn't pick up no matter what uh, through the work that you did with your sponsors. What mm, really you the abstinence? Thank you, Chaya. Um, you know, I would say up to the point I reworked my steps, I, I thought I was abstinent. I wasn't entirely abstinent. I was still, you know, I was, I was not eating certain food items, but I was eating food items that were very similar. Um, and you know, I don't, if I'm honest, I can't tell you. <laughs> I, I just know we started working together and I became entirely honest. And I just knew what I couldn't, what were my alcoholic foods? What was the alcohol I was putting in my system to set off the allergy and the obsession? And I knew, and I have three categories and I just, I stopped eating from those three categories. And it, it was a gift. Now, you know, I have struggled the, the prior to that, you know, struggled and, and things have snuck back in because I don't think I had entirely been honest and had entire absence and really scoured through my food and to see what, you know, what, if, if I were honest, what was really my allergy. And so when I did that, when I was willing to be entirely honest and I was just done enough with how, they, you know, I, with life being unmanageable, it cleared up very quickly and we moved very quickly through these steps. So I got freedom very, very quickly because I moved quickly through the steps and there was just, I think there was just something on my heart or something just opened up and this willingness to clear away the wreckage of my past totally the best I could at the time, you know, to just dive in and trust my higher power to really believe in step two that my higher power was there to bring me back to sanity and that my higher power could and would. Um, I think that's a big thing is that 
is I had made my higher power very small. And today I know that there's an abundance to my higher power that can do anything. I have to turn and I have to ask and I have to believe with every cell of my body. Um, I hope that was helpful. Thank you so much, Chaya. Thank you, Chaya. Carol Kay, your turn. Hi, uh, and Carol Kay. I guess and Carol Kay. Was missed. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, trying, I'm sitting here trying to see if I can form a question. Um, um, I was uh, working uh, vision uh 2017 28 even sponsoring and uh, i had a memory that was buried and i got very frightened and had to leave um now i've returned um am recovering have a recovered sponsor uh but i am sharing some of these memories uh when i reach out to do a step 10 and i understand since i've worked step 10 before i can do this I am scaring people who I assume are recovered. Do you have any suggestions going forward um, how I can uh, get my recovery back, my being recovered back? Thank you. That's my question. Uh, Thank you so much for the question. Uh, you said you were working with a, a sponsor again yes, right I now? Am. Yes. I mean, that would be my suggestion. You know, find a recovered sponsor and, and go through the big book and sink into it. You know, sink into the words that are there. Um, it will come. I believe the chapter says that there is a solution. Um, sometimes we need outside help, and that's okay, too, you know, to help help us move through situations. Well, um, I've already been told uh, to go to therapy, come back in four years, but I have been over many, many years in therapy and actually worked through this problem very well in therapy. But it does um, trigger me sometimes. So, mm. In other words, keep uh, the, t- the step 10s, find people who can handle the step 10s and just go to them. I think you give it... Uh, I sort of figured out the answer. I just have to search for them, <laughs> and I'll find. And maybe one of them is you. <laughs> so you know, thank you. Yep, I'm always happy to take calls. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, and Carol Kay. There was somebody right before Jennifer C who spoke up, and I missed her. Sounded very faint. Just one person before Jennifer C. If you're still on the line and would like to pose a question. Okay. I had missed missed a voice there, and I apologize for that. Okay, so our final question today comes for from Jennifer C. Star one to unmute Jennifer.
calling out for Jennifer C. If you have a question, star one to unmute. Hi, this is Jennifer C. So sorry, I was muted the whole time. I was actually just talking. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for your share. Um, there was so much that stuck out to me, but one thing in particular um, was the grateful list that you mentioned and how, you know, you put things on there that other people might say, really, that's, you know, something you're grateful for, um, which really was highlighted to me because when I do my grateful list, I certainly am looking for things that, I would deem as as good, right? So my question is, what what infuses that for you? Do you um, is your concept of high, higher power one that you know is it is it where everything comes from higher power, good, bad, and indifferent? Therefore, you can be thankful even for the ugly stuff because you believe that the director is ultimately the one allowing those things into your life. Um, is that sort of your thinking behind that? Can you expand upon that a little bit more? Sure. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for the question. Wonderful question. Yeah, you know, it. it's kind of like that, that line again in the doctor's opinion. You know, I think my alcoholic life is my normal life. So I don't know what is, um, you know, what is, what, is, what is good for me. I really don't. And I and I only see this little pinprick where my higher power sees everything, right? So if it comes to mind, you know, I put it down like, oh, I'm thankful for the ants that invaded the kitchen today. I, you know, I I just put it down because it reminds me that I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know where things are going. Um, I'll tell you this week, <laughs> circumstantially, three of my sponsees text me that they, you know, one is leaving program, one wasn't ready really to work through steps, and one is going to work with somebody else. Now, my first reaction to that is, oh my gosh, I'm not enough. I did something wrong three in one week just before I'm supposed to do this special edition. I, I can't do this. That's my initial reaction, right? Because that's how I see things. So my on my gratitude list, it could be oh, three sponsees made choices, you know, right? But the truth is I've been asking my higher power to to clear up anything so that I could be of service, right? And and if I I'm like, oh, all of a sudden I have more room in my day, right? So all of a sudden, you know, I can I can be of service. Maybe I wasn't being of service to them, right? I don't know. I don't I don't know. And so when I write it out and I see that, oh, my higher power is doing for me what I cannot do for myself, you know, um, because I'll tell you, my first reaction still usually is from that alcoholic point of view, right? I can't tell lies, lies from truth. Um, and that's when the pause comes. That's when the step 10 comes. And that's when, you know, 11 comes and I say, okay, God, you know, show me, give me intuitive thought. Let me know where I'm to move, how I can be best of service here. Because um, obviously I don't know. Uh, I hope that was helpful, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jennifer C. And to everybody who posed questions this morning, thank you so much. And, of course, thank you, Kara, for giving so much of yourself this morning. God's impact is clearly evident in in your share and your the way you opened your heart 
and your mind online for all of us this morning. Thank you for your beautiful share. Again, the ID for this morning's share ID, 15,090. That's 15090. And we will close from page 164 in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.